Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends. It is the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Wednesday, January the 10th. We're midway through the week, and we are rocking and rolling live on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. That is rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. I see about 50 of you watching out there on Twitter X. Come on over. Join the chat. The water's fine. You come for the content, you stay for the chat, is what they tell me. There's a bunch of wild things going on there. It's just scrolling past me. So, folks, I won't be able to see what's happening in that chat, but you should join us there. If you're already there, give us a thumbs up on Rumble, and we've got an interesting show for you today. Things that I didn't expect to uh, kind of accidentally come up with, but we did. So let me give you a little preview. Look, Ray Epps, obviously not a Fed, right? Like, isn't that what we're all hearing? I mean, he said he was sorry. Can we go with that? We're going to talk Ray Epps. We're going to talk about gun control which is my favorite, particularly whenever uh, gun control laws fail. We're going to talk about a little bit of that. We're going to talk about the border invasion. It hasn't been over-talked yet because we can't over-talk something that may be an existential threat to our country, not our democracy, but our constitutional republic. What else do I got on the list here? Uh, the federal government's not good at running things, and Washington, D.C. is continuing to prove that. So let's get started right away. It doesn't slow down. We've got stuff from my friends over at Catholic Vote, so we're going to start with them. Uh, go to CatholicVote.org if you guys want to get the loop. I got the loop today, and at least one of our stories, maybe two of them, are going to come directly from them. There's some interesting stuff coming out of the Vatican, and it's worth reading the Catholic Vote take on it. They have their own news service, which is called The Loop. That email comes to your email box very early in the morning. I'm already awake, but you might not be. And you might want to get it. So go ahead and sign in to catholicvote.org, type in your email, your zip code, and click loop me in to get the loop. You can keep track of things that are revolving around faith, family, and freedom, the fight for our country as we know it. And you can always give to them if you want to encourage political candidates. That's one of the things that they can do in a way that you cannot. They can support political candidates in sort of a big way. People who have the right ideas. What are the right ideas? R, capital R, ideas. That's right. Conservative ideas things that are pro-family, pro-freedom, etc. Now, let's get into number one, because uh, our federal government is not very good at a lot of things. What it usually is pretty good at is taking our money. What we know it is not good with is security and maintaining its own facilities. So here's a little fun thing that happened. I'm not a Bitcoin guy, as you guys may have guessed. I just don't, I don't really care that much. It's not my thing, but I went to the AP today. There used to be what they called rip and read stories. These are things that come out of the wire services. The AP is a longstanding wire service. And here's an interesting little bit about the SEC chair denying that Bitcoin ETF has been approved. Well, why is that relevant? Because they've been talking about it, whether or not it's going to happen, and it's expected at some point in time in the near future. The SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, the federal government's agency that is designed to make sure that our commodities trading our stock exchanges, et cetera, are functioning the way they're supposed to. Yeah, they hacked. They were hacked. And they had an unauthorized access to their Twitter account, which is like, you know, kind of like the way that you make official statements sometimes, particularly when you have an official Twitter account for a government agency. Hmm. This seems problematic. And what they announced on this thing by accident, because they didn't have their security protocols in place, we found out later on that they did not, in fact, have the two-factor authentication. So if you guys don't have your security settings you have an account that's getting bigger and bigger, like I know my buddy FBI Panty Raid out there in the chat has got a growing account. You don't want to be hacked. Although anything he sent out, unless it was just like saying the FBI was doing a great job, probably 
<laughs> probably not likely to damage his reputation. But how about the federal government getting hacked for basically not securing things at the level that a teenager would their TikTok account? All you have to do is set up two-factor authentication so that you are notified when somebody gets into your account. It's not that hard. Too much for the federal government. Why? Because they're cocky, because they're lazy, because they're the government. Good enough for government work means it's not good enough for the private sector. And in this case, it caused Bitcoin to spike about $1,000 per Bitcoin which is not a huge amount of money against the uh, 46,000. It went up to close to 48,000 per coin. And yet, if you were trying to run a, a scam, a pump scam, thousand bucks, depending on how much you had, especially if you had big money, that would be, that would be worth your time. So interesting to note that they failed to secure even the basic things that, like I said, a teenager should know how to do on their social media accounts. And that is kind of a great metaphor it kind of tells us a lot about what we should expect from the federal government, which is mediocre performance and suboptimal results and no apology. That's really the big piece of it. Zero apology. They don't care. They're not going to be like, oh, well, like we probably scammed some people out of some money. People bought into things or they lost cash and like we're meh. We're the government. The results and the consequences are no one. Is anyone going to lose their, jo their, uh, their job over this? Anyone want to take any bets on that? That would be an interesting bet. I think Vegas would probably stack odds against it. It doesn't seem very likely because why? Why would they? All right. So if that's the competency of the federal government, and I think that is a great little microcosm of it, what other things is our federal government doing with our tax dollars other than not securing their damn Twitter accounts where it moves markets and costs people significant money? Hmm. How about this one? Coming from our friends over at Catholic Vote. As I said, we we're going to pull something right out of there. This came from yesterday's announcing this is coming from the Clay Higgins interview that was with Tucker Carlson. Many of you have probably sat down and watched it. It's a good watch. It's about 38 minutes long. I don't sit and watch a lot of things for long form. I'm scanning too quickly to handle that. But this one was good. And here's the reason why I think it's more impactful than other people saying things. A lot of people have made allegations about what went on on January 6th. If you're not in a position to know and you don't have training to recognize, I'm less inclined to listen to you and go, aha, yes, you've nailed the truth. A lot of people have made a lot of wild speculations, some of them without any background or understanding of what it is they were actually seeing. There's a reason why I give a lot of credibility to people like Steve Baker. I got to hang out with Steve Baker when we were out in Long Island, and one of the things that he was telling me, and he was telling me longer form, some of the wild stuff, we, if you've listened to the show and you've listened to his sort of background, you know that he traveled behind the Iron Curtain and was basically um, smuggling in printer press parts and recording devices and things that were subversive to the, sub, the Soviet Union. So he was involved in kind of secreting things around. He was smuggling letters out and so on and so forth. He got accosted on the train by the KGB. He was strip searched because he basically played the, the national anthem on a trumpet at a KGB officer. All of that stuff is great, by the way. But the reason why is because like when you've lived in a world where you've seen some of this kind of stuff, then you get a little bit more credibility, at least from me, because I can trust what you're saying because you've actually seen investigations, you've actually been on the other side of it, et cetera, et cetera. And Clay Higgins is a valuable source in Congress because he spent 20 years in law enforcement. So I listen to what he says a lot more attentively than others. I've also had some folks in our suspendables group. Sonia Labosco spent time with him personally, hours of time, not with his aides, not with his counsel, et cetera, but with Clay Higgins personally. And so what is being said here, what you're seeing on the screen, if you're uh, if you're watching and if you're listening, you haven't seen this yet, 200 feds supposedly at the Capitol on January 6th, according to congressmen. That's the headline. 
He said the involvement of certain actors is a direct quote within the federal government to set the stage for what happened on January 4th, 5th, and 6th of 2021, and to entrap, that's a specific word, thousands of Americans from across the country and to lure them into this set stage. Think about the word, and he's very deliberate when you've listened to to Clay Higgins speak. He's from Louisiana. He speaks slowly. He takes his time. He doesn't feel rushed. He's not a Kyle Serafin. (laughs) He's no Ben Shapiro. He takes his time to say it, and the quotes here that are that are quoted in this particular article, but ever, even just listening to the art, uh, the uh, the interview itself, the people that were involved is quite a large web. These are his words, and we do have a great deal of evidence compiled. This is what I want to know about. They're gradually and professionally rolling out the evidence, he says. And interestingly, I think for us, on the eve of the sentencing, just after, or sorry, the, uh, the I guess the uh, the day after the sentencing of Ray Epps, the government is actually rolling out its own sort of information. And they are doing nothing to disconfirm the instincts and the sense that we have. Which is that government agencies were involved. There was some sort of mass concerted effort, whether it was a coalition of people who had aligned interests but didn't know each other, or whether it was a group of people who specifically all conspired. I don't need to know. I, I generally tell you all, when I'm telling when I'm telling you my federal government experience, it is not the X-Files, the Cancer Man, the the room of the cigarette-smoking men sitting in the dark wearing long overcoats and nice suits, sitting around a conference table divvying up what's going on while they smoke, you know, uh, Marlboros. That's not, that's not the government that I saw. It's generally speaking crappy 1980s lighting. It's fluorescent, you know, lit rooms that have a flicker and a coffee stain on the floor that's been there since the 80s because nobody got a budget for more of the, uh, the new carpets. It's got a stain of a burn mark of something from somebody who put something down on the desk because the desk is crappy and old. And even though they got new furniture for the executive offices, the guys who were actually running the thing didn't get it. That's more accurate to me. It's low-level, non-conspiratorial, co-aligned interests of people. And as we talked about it just earlier this week, Over 60% of the money raised in the federal campaigns by federal workers who work under the executive agencies support Democrats. It was a $216,000, if memory serves, against $100,000. Those are low-level numbers, by the way. But that's what they can actually give through this, this giving campaign that the federal government does every single year where you're allowed to take money from your paycheck and directly go to either uh, charities or political agencies, you know, nonprofit political movement. They call it the, uh, I think they call it the federal giving campaign. It escapes me. Somebody will put it in the chat. One of you guys will know you've been in the federal government. You know, they do this thing every single year. It's this campaign. They put the things up on the wall and then everybody tries to get money for it for whatever their agency or their group is, whatever their cause is. And the Democrats take it almost two to one. So that's worth knowing. It doesn't have to be that everybody got together and decided it. And so, as I said, the federal government has decided to disconfirm what's going on by acting like Ray Epps is definitely not a Fed, by giving him the lightest slap on the wrist of many of the January 6th protesters. A guy who we have all kinds of video evidence and all kinds of wild stuff going on that shows that at the very least... He was ideologically motivated. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say he wasn't a Fed, just for a minute, just for the sake of argument. I don't believe that, by the way. I don't believe that he wasn't being paid by a federal agency. But let's say for the sake of argument that the man was simply there because he was motivated. He was pro-Trump. He was in the same crowd as everybody else. He just wanted to see the right thing happen, and he got overwhelmed. He got out over his skis and said things that he later regretted. 
is saying sorry enough? Is that it? Or has there been a concerted effort by media agencies that we do not trust to push the Ray Epps is a Fed equals conspiracy theory? Pretty much everybody that is on the political right right now and anybody who's a fair-minded independent is looking around. And when they say conspiracy theory, what you hear is this thing is something they are trying to hide and discredit. They'll say the often discredited things like Pizzagate. And then the, the, the discrediting is just circular reporting. You guys know what circular reporting is? That's when um, somebody comes and reports something to me and reports something to somebody else. And then I go to that person. I go, hey, man, I heard this thing. And they go, oh, yeah, I actually heard that as well. It comes from the same source. The source is maybe not credible. And then I go and report, well, this agency said this, and I'm saying this, so that confirms it. And then they go, well, the FBI said this, and therefore this happened, because we're just we're going to go in a circle. And everything either comes to a single source that is not reputable, or it's literally we just are confirming our own opinions about ourselves, and we're reporting what somebody else said. And when you see these quote unquote, discredited things about uh, conspiracies involving child sex trafficking. There's no question that it happens. So what are they discrediting? What they're discrediting is that you believe, you know, who's behind it. And we don't necessarily have all that information, but there's some big money behind it. That much is pretty clear. We can say broad generalities that are in fact true. And uh, when you look at the way that the media tries to run cover for it, that just makes me more skeptical. I don't know if they know this is coming. Like who's listening to these people? One of the uh, definitions, we've been doing definitions. We did straw man, right? Um, we did that the other day. We're going to do another one today, and it's about banana republics. It's worth knowing because we use that word a lot. So I will throw that up at the end, and you tell me whether or not we are slowly getting to that level. But let's do a little bit of Ray App stuff. There's a video that went out. Um, this was with Laura Logan's reporting, and I hadn't seen this one specifically. Apparently, the charges on Ray Apps was basically that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Poor guy. It wasn't that he was trying to motivate people to go into the Capitol, that he was saying all these crazy things, that he's whispering things into people's ears just before they decide to go in and push over the barricades. None of that stuff. Let's just take it at face value. He did things that other people went to jail for, and he did not. We have to ask why. Let's check out this video real quick. A couple of these guys touched it because it went over their head, and they didn't want to get hit in the head. Um, it got pushed at police. No police officer was injured. But these these people were still sent to prison. So they're in prison today for this. Ray Epps is pushing the sign. And he was never arrested for that, right? So it's just another incident of Ray Epps, sus this suspicious activity. The media won't report this, but uh, we have the footage and be glad to share it with you. Hoft did share the footage with us, and you can see the sign going over the crowd as he described. Here, Epps reached up and touched it for about 10 seconds, and then made this gesture with his hand, signaling toward the Capitol and the police. As the sign passed and changed direction, Epps can be seen on camera, pushing it towards the line of offices, and then joined in in pushing the crowd forward. We couldn't ask him about this because he didn't respond to our requests for an interview, and his attorney declined. There's no doubt about Epps touching the sign. That was confirmed by the DOJ and Ray Epps himself.
in the statement of offense he signed when he pled guilty to a misdemeanor charge for disorderly conduct on restricted grounds in September of this year. It said he touched the sign with both hands and specifically mentioned the hand signal seen on camera, where Epps pointed forward toward the line of offices several times. The government offered no explanation for what that meant and did not address Epps pushing the sign at police, an act that got others charged with various offenses, including assault. Also not in dispute, the fact that Epps was pushing with the crowd. According to the statement, a group of rioters, including Epps, pushed forward, leaning their bodies on each other. Again, no explanation was offered. There's that loud clink in your ear. That was uh, Jim Hoff from the Gateway Pundit and uh, sharing that video footage with Laura Logan. So we just are looking at something, even that alone, if it resulted in charges by other people or other people had charges that stem from that and they are doing time in prison, if Ray's not, why is that? We just have to ask the questions. We may not know the answers, but it looks pretty shady. All right, let's do a couple of different stories that cover this because we might as well look at what the news said. <laughs> How about USA Today? Did you know that USA Today is still out there printing newspapers and, and, and running a website? I did not. There they are. Uh, they have an entire section that's called U.S. Capitol Riot. Shocker. Shocker that a left-wing outlet like this would have that. And it says, this is right on the top of our, our thumbnail today, Ray Epps, falsely accused as federal agent. <laughs> you notice the word federal agent? Do you know what a federal agent is? That's what I used to do. A federal agent is a W-2 employee, someone who gets a paycheck from the FBI. That's not what we've accused Ray Epps of. That's not what people think Ray Epps was involved in. They don't think that he was actually like a badge and gun carrying FBI agent or DHS agent. In any case, um, he's accused uh, to be a federal agent in several J6 conspiracies. He gets probation. They act like this is a thing. Uh, the, the, the Marine had to sell his business and move to another state after he became the subject of false accusations that he was an undercover federal agent on January 6th. False accusations. Yes, of course. Uh, w- once again, when you hear the word baseless conspiracy, anytime you hear that, you should probably wonder, like, who are they covering for? A defendant in January 6, 2021, attack on the U.S. Capitol was the target of baseless conspiracy theories that he was an undercover federal agent. They use the word agent and informant interchangeably in the news media because they don't fundamentally understand the difference, or they do, and they're doing it on purpose. A very real possibility. Ray Epps, 62, formerly of Queen Creek, Arizona, pled guilty in September, which you just saw Laura Logan showing some of those documents. Uh, he said, I've learned the truth that it's not always, I've learned that truth is not always found in the places that I used to trust, he said, and he begged for mercy. I'm remorseful and regretful and deeply sorry, and I'm angry at myself for attending the protest, even though he bragged about it after the fact. And then, of course, you're going to have the smear job. Right-wing media personalities and politicians, including former Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump, rather, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, MTG from Florida, Senator Ted Cruz, have all called Ray Epps and Laura Logan, not to be left out. We'll leave Laura Logan in there, even though she's not quoted. Called him an outside instigator, seeking to advance the false narrative, Blah, blah, blah. Um, We've got another video, which is worth hearing. Most of you probably have already seen this video. There's nothing shocking about this. This has been played many, many times. But for more, I don't know, just like more background information, just to feel what was going on at the time, it's worth hearing those words one more time from his mouth. This is a guy who got 12 months of probation. He had to pay a $500 fine and restitution. And that's it. He's, his probation is going to be just be a good boy. 
right? And he was charged with misdemeanors, which again, even at the time, seemed quite absurd. Let's hear Ray Epps doing his thing, as many of you guys have seen many, many times. Here's a little taste of what he was doing the night before and uh, the day of. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we let's need to safe. go. I'll say it. All right. We need to go in. Shut the fuck up, Boomer. To the Capitol. Face right. fed posting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we need to go into the Capitol. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Okay. Monument Hill. All right, no, Dave, but one more thing. Yeah, so can we go up there? No? When we go in. Are we going to get arrested if we go up there? Yeah. You don't need to get Did shot. You arrest us all? So there it is. Uh, in his own words, the things that he's saying, you guys saw some captioning, a lot of fed, 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 people saying, oh, I can't believe he's going to do that. People calling him boomer, saying that he's fed posting. Fed posting is when you're kind of trolling somebody out so that the feds can see what you're saying. Um, a lot of suspicion, even on the day of, even by people who were surrounded by this guy, looked at him and went, something is not right. What I what I mentioned uh, maybe on Friday with Steve Friend is that when you deal with people uh, who have mental illness and you're pretending to also be mentally ill with them, they know there's an instinct we have. It doesn't matter whether you read something like Gavin DeBecker's gift of fear. There's an instinct that we have where we sense something that is amiss and wrong. And people even on that day looked at Ray Epps and heard what he said as a poor actor and went, went like, nope, I don't buy it. It's not good. It's not legit. And they didn't want to do the thing like they're they're not amenable to the statements that he was making. They were not uh, everybody going like, yeah, we're all there. <laughs> and and you saw like one of those things you guys probably can't tell if you're just listening. There was a, a live stream that was going on. Part of this was the live stream where he said, I'm not going to say it. I'll get arrested. And then he's like, ah, whatever, I'll say it. Uh, that's really a weird thing to do. You're going to self-censor, but then you're not. You're like setting it up like it's conspiratorial and exciting. And then what you saw was there was a live chat going along with the streamer and people did not have nice things to say about him. They all looked at it in real time and went like, this dude is not right. He doesn't belong in this crowd. He's trying to move the needle in some way, shape or form. Worth knowing. Um, again, from the wire services, AP, he's the uh, the target of conspiracy theories. You guys see this? He got a year. And they're acting like that's a big deal. And then meanwhile, <laughs> they show the conspiracy theory, which we just showed you the video of. He's whispering in somebody's ear, and two seconds later, that guy goes in. And then he's just far enough back, he's just far enough back that if you were plausibly saying, hey, did Ray Epps, who was working on your behalf, did he actually push these people to do the thing that you think he did? And you would go, well, obviously not. Like he's at the back of the crowd. He wasn't even there. The fact that this was one of the most videoed events probably in human history, or at least the most analyzed video events of human history is kind of incredible. And, and, and you know, when you lead off with from the AP, which theoretically is supposed to be nonpartisan, apolitical, we know it's not, but that's what they're saying. 
the first line, a man targeted by right-wing conspiracy theories about the U.S. Capitol riot was sentenced on Tuesday to a year in probation for joining in uh, an attack by a mob of fellow Donald Trump supporters. He's just a fellow Donald Trump supporter. He's like, this is a meme. This is a meme. This is a how do you do, fellow patriots, you know? It's a meme, and it's gross, and it's sad. But it's what we've come to expect. This is the way that we see our government operating right now. Uh, let's talk about something that is quite the opposite of that, right? Let's talk about my buddies over at Patriot Coolers. <laughs> let's take a, just a, a deep breath here. And uh, on the desk again, the 19-ounce. This is the the travel-friendly mug. It has a screw on top. It has a snap-down that is waterproof. Have I dropped it and proved that? Yes, I have. I have children, so I'm always dropping things. That's just the nature of the beast. Uh, the other one, not so good. The 16-ounce. Don't put that in your cup holder. Folks, you can go to patriotcoolers.com. Use promo code KYLE. That's K-Y-L-E. That'll save you 10%. Again, promo code KYLE, K-Y-L-E. You just put that in at checkout. It's the same discount you get if you're a military veteran. I'm not giving you anything special on that one. And what it does is it says, you're listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, and when you made your decision, you heard us talk about it. I've been using their products since like 2016, 2017, October of 2017. I used them when I was on duty with the FBI. They're a good product. Uh, they never let me down. It's not like a, a thing that's going to fail per se, but I beat the living hell out of my cup that I have. My 1.0 tumbler, which is a 32 ounce, used to run with a smoothie every day. I would keep my cold smoothie. So I'd, I'd make it at like 530 in the morning and take it out on, on shift with me. And it would sit there and I would drink it like at lunch, which was like 1030 in the morning, but it would four or five hours. It would stay cold and be able to still have a smoothie. I don't know if you guys ever do smoothies, but there's nothing worse for me than getting a shake that is just like liquidy. And then it's separated out it would maintain cold. So worth your time. If you want to check out something like this, they're hard-sided coolers, which we have one of the, the 50 quarts sitting in the back of my minivan. We use it for groceries, and then we use it for camping and stuff like that. Uh, also, the soft-sided ones are pretty good for like kid lunches and so on. Check out patriotcoolers.com, and you can follow them on social media at patriotcoolers. Use promo code Kyle for 10% off. All right, so we're talking about sort of like the... It, the whole thing is that they're not good at this. Would you agree? Like, they can't keep their Twitter accounts safe. They can't even run informants like without us knowing that they're informants. They look like informants. They sound like informants. They seem really weak. And then the best for me right now is this story, which is coming at the end of the year. Our crime statistics are never in real time. How about this one? Because you cannot make up how sad and pathetic it is. Uh, this is coming from Daily Signal, which is the Heritage Foundation's uh, organ their uh, paper or their online news magazine. Carjackings in D.C., Washington, D.C., doubled to a staggering 959 in 2023. Now, I'm going to make a point to you right now. The reason why Washington, D.C. crime statistics should be relevant to anybody who's looking to the federal government specifically for solutions is because Washington, D.C. is the only city in the entire country that is regulated and financed and handled by the federal government. It has its own state government, but when they want money and they want funding and they want taxing and they want to do a lot of the things they got to do, they have to go directly to Congress to get their funding and their ability to do so. And that makes it unique in the U.S. It's not like everywhere else. It's not like the people of you know, Los Angeles County have decided to vote for some idiot who does a bad job. No, this is the federal government showing you how good they are at anything they want to do. And what they are good at doing is apparently allowing 959 carjackings. That's a single statistic. It's one single factoid about the way that violent crime is working in our nation's capital, which should be pristine and incredible. We have the big government people from Joe Biden running it, in theory. Why are they not doing a damn near perfect job? They've got all the things that they need. 
And it's literally where Congress people have to go every single day. This year, uh, this last year, this past year in 2023, we had a congressperson carjacked in that, that 959. We had an FBI agent carjacked in that group. They found the one who didn't have a mask. They couldn't find the one who did have a mask. I don't know if you guys track that story very much. We talked about it a little bit. <laughs> you couldn't even find somebody. The, the, the way to avoid getting a carjacking charge in D.C. when your buddy gets captured because he didn't wear a mask is just put like a face covering on. If that doesn't tell you where masking is in this country and why we shouldn't be doing it, I don't know what else does. That's a perfect, perfect situation. But what's really wild to me is they doubled the number in 2020. Okay, it goes to 2019. Do you know how many carjackings were in Washington, D.C. in 2019? You just heard that last year we finished with almost 1,000. In 2019, there were 152 carjackings. 152 in the year. We are now close to 10x that number. It doubled in 2020 under the COVID stuff. Because people were wearing masks. And I will tell you, the mask wearing in D.C. was like nothing anywhere else in the country. How do you know that, Kyle? Because I went to 18 different states and probably 25 different cities while I was uh, on duty for the FBI in 2020. I got to see a lot of love everywhere. And it wasn't like I was going out in uh, those years and, and trying to check out um, nice places and fun times. Like my job was an FBI agent. I was watching people who were involved in either criminal activity or potentially terrorism. <laughs> And it was it was pretty wild. DC was as bad or worse than anywhere. And it's only gotten worse. Again, they had about 32020. And in three years, they basically tripled that. 959 carjackings. If that doesn't tell you exactly how bad the federal government is at doing things, they can't secure Twitter, right? They can't run sources that we can't see. And they cannot even maintain the city where the seat of government is without one basic metric of decent, decent law enforcement. Carjackings are a pretty street level crime. They don't require a lot of uh, people out there involved in conspiracy. You don't have to get together and get all your buddies and plan it out like a bank heist. Although most bank heists are probably just people walk in with a little note in their pocket. But that, and that's the myth. But when you actually look at it, like this is very low level crime. It's like teenagers with a gun who decide to take something that is not theirs. And why do they do that? Because they're not afraid of the consequences and they think that they're going to be able to get away with it. There's a lot of reasons why people might choose a carjacking, financial desperation, of which there is a ton in Washington, D.C. The striations of uh, income gap in D.C. are actually pretty shocking. If you go into D.C. Southeast, where I used to work, on a regular basis where I've watched guys who are like bank robbers and drug dealers and child trafficking, stuff like that. You go to the Southeast DC. It is one of the nastiest neighborhoods that you'll find anywhere in the country. And I, like I said, I traveled around looking for nasty neighborhoods. It's not good. It's open air drug markets. Most of the military age males are just walking around in the streets throughout the day. They have no purpose, no function. One of the funniest things that ever happened while I was doing that, I knocked on doors. We were looking for uh, homicide subjects suspects in a homicide that, that we had almost nothing on. We were doing basically knock and talk door to door for an entire couple like apartment buildings, like the whole city block. Everybody who might have heard something got the door knocked on. And one of the funniest and saddest things that I ever heard in Southeast DC was I knock on the door. A guy comes out. He looks exactly like you expect. He's like a middle-aged black guy. He's wearing a, a wife beater. He's got boxer shorts on and no shoes or whatever. He's got like crappy flip-flops and he's standing there in this kind of dingy, dark apartment. Nothing against any of those things, but that's what the, sit the situation is. Two FBI agents standing outside the door. Hey man, uh, there was a shooting outside of your door of your apartment complex, which is 40 feet from his front door uh, a couple days ago. 
We're just wondering if anybody has any information about it. We could take it discreetly and anonymously. There's an 800 number here you can call. There's reward money involved. And the guy goes, nah, man. Uh, like, I don't even know anybody here. You know, I just moved here like 10 years ago. When I tell you to go out and meet your neighbors, there's a reason why. It's because I've heard people that have not met their neighbors. And what happens when that happens? When you haven't met your neighbors, you don't even know somebody because you've lived there only 10 years and you don't know who's going around in the building next to you. That's when somebody gets gunned down right in front of your door 40 feet away and you don't even know anybody and you don't even care. That is a fundamentally that is a fundamentally bad situation and it tolerates a thousand carjackings. Maybe it's you. Like the people who get carjacked are not just like wealthy people who drive Mercedes because those people live in nice areas. Carjackings happen in places that are crappy where they think they might get away from it. It's crappy people taking things away from poor, hardworking people oftentimes or other scumbags. It just, it's a mixed bag. There's nothing good about that stat. And the federal government is showing you exactly how incapable they are of doing just the basics, the, just the bare minimum of street level safety. You'd think that if you pulled up to a stoplight, a red light in the nation's capital, that you didn't have a high probability of having someone put a gun to your window and take your car away from you. But they do. And it's not a very populated place. Most people don't even drive in D.C. I mean, those of you who don't know about the Northeast, it's it's fundamentally bizarre to think that the, the vast majority of people are jumping on the, the metro. They're jumping on trains or they're getting in Ubers and stuff like that. But they're mostly and there's buses <laughs> like there's all the public transportation options. And yet a thousand carjackings. I cannot I can't say that enough. And so a lot of this stuff leads me towards this really, really strange place. I'm just going down this rabbit hole. And the one thing that happened yesterday that had uh, just a significant amount of social media coverage, because it is pretty jarring and shocking, is a, a TV station, right? A TV station in Ecuador got overrun by armed gunmen wearing masks. It's those masks again. Why are we okay with masks in this country? How about that? So let's look at this thing. Let's, let's break it down. This is coming from NBC. Mass gunmen storm TV studio in Ecuador as gangs attack in the country, as gang attacks in the country escalate. And the country has been jolted by explosions and the abduction of police officers after President Daniel uh, Nooba imposed a state of emergency following a powerful gang leader's apparent escape from prison. All right. So that's the background of this thing. That's what happened. We actually have some of the footage. So I'm going to show you the footage. This is all over the place on social. So you guys can find these things yourself. But let's watch a quick little video. And then we're going to have the reaction. I want you to put yourself in this scenario. Not the people who are in the TV studio. We're going to have a second video that I'm going to have a follow-up on. And I want you guys to put yourself in that space. So let's just watch what's going on in the studio. It's truly wild. And then we'll talk about it a little further. <laughs> uh, you guys in the chat picked up on it too. The uh, the improvised explosive devices, whether those are legit or not, we don't really know. But you've got people out there uh, making fake sticks of dynamite or maybe semi-legit, maybe they're homemade dynamite. I don't know. Uh, putting them in people's pockets. The weird thing is when the news reporter guy, he like touches himself and he's like, he's like, oh, like that's the, that's the bomb that I'm going to be keeping next to my heart here. All that is crazy. Guys with long barreled shotguns that are made for duck hunting are in there. And it's just a bunch of kids. Like these people are all under the age of 30 from what it looks like. Does it look like anybody there has any plan of what's going on? Now, they took back the, the TV studio. Um, apparently, the man came in in the middle of a live TV broadcast. They were transmitting, and then that happened. And so he's actually pleading for the police to come in. It's worth seeing what it looked like from the outside, right? Um, these guys seem like they're Brits. Maybe they're expats. Maybe they work there in a, like a contract role. I don't have the background on where these dudes came from. But watch this video. 
of what it looked like in the, the building above as the police realized what was going on. And just ask yourself, how far from that are we in this country? We've got a little bit more to go, and we've got a little bit uh, deeper. Let's start with this little video here. Just take a deep t- deep breath, and then... Uh... What the fuck is going on? Dude. Oh, shit. Oh, they just... Oh, my God. Oh. They just shot a guy in the street. Get down, get down, get down. That's pretty wild. Imagine sitting there in that hotel room or whatever it is, office building, looking down and then just seeing that stream of marked and unmarked law enforcement and military looking uh, men coming in with guns. There was some lady with long hair going down to her butt. She looked like she was in jeans. She's got a mask on. She's rolling. Who's a friend? Who's a foe? IFF is a real problem. Identify friend foe. Like that looks chaotic and crazy. (laughs) Finally, somebody says, oh, get down. Right. So that's going on in Ecuador. And where is Ecuador? It's Central America, which is where we always talk about sort of the so-called banana republics, do we not? All of this stuff is wild. And meanwhile, in the United States, back in the United States, we have this going on. Do we not? Coming from Daily Wire, Amanda Precious Giacomo. I only know how to say Precious Giacomo's because I listened to Ben Shapiro for a long time, but I'm appreciative that he said that. Daily Wire, this is not normal. Tens of thousands of Chinese nationals cross border illegally in a matter of months. Well, that's interesting. Tens of thousands of Chinese nationals have been stopped by local law enforcement after crossing over the U.S. southern border from Mexico. We kind of know that, right? We played you some video of it. Ben Berkwam has done a good job of showing it. There's people coming in from Asia, coming in from Africa. People coming in specifically from China. It's a shocking trend that's continued, and it's unusual in America's border experience. Mostly people came in as, quote-unquote, economic migrants, which is to say that they were faking that they were asylum seekers, and they would come here and they would, you know, kind of play the game, and they would go and they would get low-paying jobs, which basically screw Gen Z, as we talked about yesterday, out of whatever they're trying to accomplish. When you allow border pressure to come in, you're going to let the average wage migrate downward. People who are from third-world countries, developing nations— like Central America, like parts of Africa, are actually going to accept a very different standard of living, are they not? They're willing to come here and work for less and live in crappy scenarios. I can't tell you the number of times that we've done MS-13 type search warrants and you would do them and you'd find 25 families living in a single family house because their expectations are lower. They would literally take a living room, divide it with a couple of sheets and they would put holes in the wall with like some laundry lines and people would live in a quarter of the front room. Their whole family would live in the quarter of the front room and that was okay for them. That's not an American standard. Even people in Southeast D.C. don't live that way. But they will if they come from these places. It says in just 11 months, 31,000 Chinese nationals were stopped by law enforcement. CNN is reporting that. CNN, okay, according to U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, again, the blue shirts, not the green shirts, they would typically see around 1,500 Chinese nationals in the same year based on the previous decade's worth of time. 1,500 is standard per year of people from China sneaking in over our border. By the way, just that alone, that there's a standard and it's well over a 1,000. But last year, they were close to 30 times that. They're 25x what is normal. Hence, the what you're seeing on the screen, this is not normal. Most of the Chinese nationals are reportedly claiming they want to come to the U.S. because the they're trying to get away from an oppressive communist regime. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. 
Maybe it's both. Maybe some people are coming in here. Uh, interestingly, an overwhelming number are adult single males. So what are they going to do? You've seen the other video actually that's in this uh, article. I'm scrolling through it and they actually have the tweet that we showed you last time. All the guys lined up with what look like rucksacks and they're all standing there at like modified parade rest. If you guys have ever been around people in the military, you know the way that guys in the military gaggle and they gaggle in a very specific way. Gaggle is like when you're not in formation and they do it in a different way than like people who are not in the military. That actually looks more organized, the pictures that I'm seeing there, than what we saw uh, at the FBI's academy, where most of the people don't have a law enforcement background or a military background. So they gaggle like a bunch of people who are at, like, I don't know, whatever, uh, just a gathering of, of folks who went to grad school <laughs> and didn't do this. But here's the thing that I accidentally stumbled on today, and it's one of the weirdest things. Before we do that, actually, let me break over and, and, uh, and talk about the... The stuff that's coming to this country, you guys need to prep yourselves for whatever that looks like. Make sure that you have hedged yourself against contingencies, and you can do that with our sponsor, For Patriot. Okay, For Patriots, the S on the end of it.com, forpatriots.com slash Kyle, or use promo code Kyle if you go to their website. They're all over the place right now. They're doing a great social media blitz, so you're probably seeing them if you're scrolling through any of these things. If you're even going on websites you're used to, and you're in the same vein of people like me, I'm seeing their stuff all the time. Maybe it's because I've been to their website once. But let me just recommend for patriots.com slash Kyle. You can get yourself emergency food, things that you have some calories in a pinch. You get the zombie radio here that you're seeing on the screen if you're watching. You've got options for backup power cells, so you have continuity of comms. They have all kinds of different stuff. They've got some things that are more gimmicky, like the shovel. I don't know if the shovel is the most useful thing in the world, but having a good knife, having a good shovel to dig yourself out. You know, it's a rough time of year in winter. This is when the, the men and the boys are separated, or maybe the women who are prepared and those who are not. Check out 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Again, the number 4, patriots with an S on the end, dot com slash Kyle. And if you want to follow them on Twitter, it's 4patriotsllc. 4patriotsllc is on Twitter if you like that. Okay, are you guys ready for this video? Because this, I, I don't know that it shocked me, but I went like, of course. Of course there's a connection here. So we just talked about that TV station where cartels are now basically, they escaped one of their one of their guys that was like the leader of a cartel involved in drug trafficking, escaped. Now they're running all over the country doing wild stuff and you've got broad day, daylight missions. How about this little interesting nugget from CNN that I just kind of stumbled upon? Ready? Take a deep breath. Wonder what the connection there is. As soon as we pull up, they rush towards us. My mic not even on. But that doesn't stop this crowd of Chinese migrants from venting to producer Yong Shong. They're angry having to wait in the cold for border patrol. This is just one of three makeshift border camps we stop at in eastern San Diego County. Alongside migrants from Latin America, at each camp, we meet dozens from China. The numbers reflect the surge. From 2013 to 2022, CBP recorded fewer than 16,000 Chinese migrants illegally crossing the U.S. southern border. This past year alone, more than 31,000. That's roughly double the prior 10 years combined. But unlike those fleeing countries in turmoil like Venezuela, Cuba, or Haiti, these migrants are leaving the world's second largest economy. What was the reason you left China? Their answers vary. His family is poor. 
Most cite deepening financial hardships, despite the Chinese government's narrative of a steadily rebounding economy. How did you get here? How did you get to Southern California? <laughs> Their trek north primarily starts in one Latin American country, where Chinese do not need visas to enter. To Ecuador. How, how, many, how many of you here came through Ecuador? little clip from Newsbusters there. Did you guys catch that at the end? Because that's the most impactful piece to me. Primarily, these people's journey started in one Latin American country, Ecuador, because they don't need a travel visa and they can just show up and be admitted into the country. There's actually pretty good immigration laws. There's pretty good enforcement of things like in Panama and some others. Guatemala actually has pretty decent. I've worked with uh, peripherally. We've had our subjects of CT cases have gone down there. They get deported for the record. Once they find out, once they find out they're on a U.S. list, they're they're kicked out. But Ecuador, a country that is currently being overrun by drug cartels. Now, what is the connection there? Do we know where the precursors for things like fentanyl, which is some of the biggest amount of uh, cash crops that are going on? What is the, you know, the, they're moving fentanyl over the border at record rates. The precursors come from China. The Chinese are sending people in and they don't have any visa requirements in that place. Did you see how many of those folks said yes? All of them said they came out of there. Very, very weird, very interesting. That makes me go to this right here. The Banana Republic, what is it? A Banana Republic is a small nation, especially in Central America, dependent on one crop or an influx of foreign capital. Well, Ecuador might be that, particularly if they are doing, uh, if drug money is able to to dis, dismantle the entire sort of... Um, auspices of their federal government, if they're able to be overrun and that people are going to look at them and and say, oh, well, like the Chinese government, foreign capital is able to basically influence the things that they want. Now, we used to look at this. This is a term that goes back. Apparently, O. Henry was the one who coined this term. And apparently this, uh, you know, used to be a thing that we could look at the Central American companies, countries being run by like Chiquita Bananas. And they would go, yeah, okay, so like their main cash crop is bananas, and they are being influenced by foreign capital. This would actually not be a nation state. It used to actually be companies. And then those companies would set policy because they were the single biggest employer, and they were the single biggest funder. They were the funder of that country. But what happens when they're funded by drug money? I don't know. We might need a different name. Narco state is the word that I've heard, but it's not nearly as sexy as Banana Republic. But narco states are a big problem, particularly if they're going to go work with our biggest geopolitical adversary, the Chinese government, and they're going to allow Chinese nationals in at a rate of 25x than they have historically done. A lot of this stuff is tied together. It all comes back to this sort of same game of just ugly, ugly, nasty, bad functioning U.S. government. And there's only one little sort of uh, upside. I've got a little bit of take away from the bleakness of it. The upside for me is that we actually had a pretty strong Supreme Court decision in the Bruin decision, and it allowed people, even in sort of what would are aspiring third world crap holes, they're able to, to push themselves out and defend themselves in a way that didn't previously exist. So this is actually somewhat encouraging. This is a Harney County judge in Oregon. The measure was known as 114. And what they've said is they've actually tied up in state and federal courts ever since this gun control law was set up. 
Now, the the uh, this is coming out of the AP Wire Service again. This is being reported by a local news station, KOIN, and the local news station is apparently on board. They're upset with the fact that this voter-approved law. It turns out that the voters are not actually able to approve taking away other people's rights that are guaranteed under the United States Constitution. And luckily, we are seeing the courts actually step up and look at the decision like Bruin, and they are defending people, which is useful for those who are, I guess, the minority behind enemy lines. One of my cousins lives in Oregon or has a residence there, and they just want to be regular Americans that have all the rights of Americans. You shouldn't be able to vote away other people's rights. That's, by the way, what a democracy looks like. When you have a democracy, you can vote away other people's rights. The tyranny of the majority equals 50% plus one. Maybe that is the reason we continue to hear that term democracy, because they will be happy to vote away your rights with a very, very small majority. And the, the large minority will get stomped on. But not right now. This is even like reporting out of Oregon. It says one of the toughest laws in the nation was on one of the first gun control restrictions to be passed after a major U.S. Supreme Court ruling last year that changed the guidance judges are expected to follow when considering Second Amendment cases. The funny thing is, is almost all of those gun restrictions, toughest in the nation that were passed after Bruin, whether they be in Oregon or Washington State or whether they be in uh, Massachusetts or they be in New York, they were almost all blatantly and obviously unconstitutional on their face. My buddy Stephen Stambalia is uh, right on the forefront of that working. If you are not a member of a Gun Owners of America or a Firearms Policy Coalition or one of these other not NRA. I'm not a big fan of them. They just lost uh, Wayne LaPierre as well, and, and they've always seemed kind of grifty. But if you look at some of the real serious people that are doing lawfare to go out there and defend these rights, you should give them your money. It's not a lot of money. It's like 50 bucks a year. If everybody who had a gun did that, we would all be better off having a war chest to fight this kind of stuff. And they make real-world differences when they're able to tie up crappy decisions that would otherwise penalize law-abiding citizens in places that suck. Because the sad thing is, is that Oregon is actually very beautiful. Many of you know this. California is quite beautiful. And like the weather is amazing. But all of their uh, their laws that are going against conservative principles are terrible. And they make them basically unlivable for people who might otherwise be interested to go there. And would probably bring a lot of peace to that place. You wouldn't be seeing uh, a thousand carjackings in Washington, D.C. if it was an open carry area. If you didn't have the restrictions that they have. And then you didn't have to consistently fight over and over again just to get the basic and fundamental principles that are guaranteed under our U.S. Constitution. That shouldn't be the case, right? Um, I just saw you guys mention in the chat, so we have, we've got a pretty good uh, group watching right now. I see 1,776 watching live. That's kind of a cool little number just to pop up on there. If you are watching us live on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, give me a thumbs up if you would. Give us a thumbs up on the, uh, on the video. It moves the needle forward. It lets people know that you're out there liking the things that you see and that you guys are getting information that is valuable to you. We're going to do another gun law real quickly, if you don't mind. What I'd like to do is cover down on this one coming out of California. Another one. Good news. It's just it's good news city only because and this actually you got to give a lot of credit to Donald Trump when it's there. He put good justices in that cared enough about the Constitution. Not all the time. But some of the time, they're making good decisions, and this is another one. So you've got a California law that bans the carrying of firearms in most public places. This is exactly the same crap they they tried in New York, by the way, folks. They tried this in New York, and it failed. It's been There's an injunction. The judge that's uh, looking at this particular case is it likely violates the Second, or the Second Amendment, and it's likely unconstitutional. So all of this stuff, even in the, in the Ninth Circuit, they're, uh, they're just pushing— pushing back. You've got people at the local level that are attempting in every way, shape, or form to infringe on the Constitution. That's what progressives do. 
They progressively march forward, whether or not it's good or bad or it helps them or hurts them. They don't even care. They just want to make progress. And that progress is being impeded by decent justices in the Supreme Court who have given good decisions. And those decisions are having far-reaching consequences, even in areas that I would also refer to as like behind enemy lines. And that's your California, your Washington, your Oregon, your, your entire Northeast seems to be behind enemy lines to me, with very few exceptions. So talking about all those types, and there are plenty of bad things going on right there. I've got a, uh, I've got a funny video from CBS. It might make you feel sick. It's not great. It doesn't feel good to hear it. But um, it is kind of funny. This is the kind of attitude that our mainstream media pushes about how these people are doing great things for us and by us. And like, you know, if we could just have the right people in the job. And what does the right people look like? Just take a deep breath and think about it. If you're at CBS and you were thinking, what does my ideal local government look like? You're going to get this lady, which is a kind of a gag. And then we've got something a little bit funny. I will, in fact, give you a palate cleanser. I will give you something to walk off and have a little uh, little smile about. But before we do that, let's play this lady from CNN. Uh, by the way, I played this video and uh, commented on it, and Tracy Beans called me a bastard for it. So I'm sorry if this offends you. I find it funny, and maybe you will too, in a bad way. You'll like this story. History was made in Minnesota's capital city of St. Paul today. Or should we say, herstory was made. St. Paul's new city council was sworn in this afternoon, made up entirely of women. And get this, six of the seven council members are women of color, and they are all under the age of 40. Four of them are new members and say that affordable housing and access to child care are some of their top priorities. Congratulations to them and the people of St. Paul. I am betting that they get some stuff done. I am betting that they get some stuff done. Let's just say a little something about herstory. Herstory. Anybody want to go live in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul right now? And if you're thinking about going and going like, oh, what I always wanted was seven women under the age of 40 who have a particular different color of skin to run my life, to run my local government. The most important thing that happens, the people who decide whether or not there's a mask mandate in your building. Do you think young lib women are going to make the best decisions for you? I'll say young because they're all younger than I am. <laughs> if they're all younger than me, most of them are newcomers to politics. Some of them wear silly, funny hats, and they all have an ethnic bend to them, and that's why they're there. Is that really who we need? Is I mean, can you imagine thinking, and I bet you they're going to get something done. What are they going to get done, you think? Somebody said Starbucks is on every corner. I think that you're going to see a far lower amount of investment. Do any of these women have businesses? Do they have any other criteria other than their skin color? I didn't hear them highlight that. And for me, that just tells you, even if these are highly qualified candidates, the sort of celebration by CBS is pretty gross. It's pretty awful. And it's pretty hard to deal with. Uh, we're going to come back to that, put a little pin in that for just one second. And let me uh, plug my buddy's merch store over there. P things that do work that are not run by women. Just saying, it's run by a slave-driving father. This is the uh, Suspendables merch store, the Garrett Boyle family sweatshop. If you guys want to check them out, go to the-suspendables.com. It's the, don't forget the dash, suspendables with an S on the end, .com. Use the promo code Kyle if you guys want to save a couple of bucks on there. That just says we sent you. I get nothing from this. I do this out of the goodness of my heart. It also keeps Garrett Boyle busy. He had a pretty rough day yesterday, and we may have him come on the show and talk about his travel experience. He tried to go do something with Epoch Times in, in Washington, D.C., and got thwarted by our very functional, our very functional DEI-type um, airline industry, which is great. But uh, he's back at home. Let's bury him in work so he can stop being angry about the failure 
of our transportation system. He uh, he flew in from Milwaukee to uh, to Chicago and route to D.C., got stuck in Chicago basically all day. You guys know how close that is and what a short flight it was. And then sometime, I hope last night, I haven't even heard from him this morning, sometime last night supposedly he got his way back and never made it to his destination. They just canceled his flight outright. So is he in the house right now? I see you guys say he's in the house. <laughs> Hopefully he's made it uh, back home. I'll have to check in with GOB in just a little bit. But uh, yeah, go to the-suspendables.com. Bury him in work. And if you guys want to get my favorite thing, it's literally the best thing on there. I got to reach off camera. Hold on. There it is. All right. These guys, everybody loves them everywhere you go. It's the same badge that you see on my shirt. It's our upside down suspendables badge. The S stands for suspendables. The badge upside down lets you know that our agency was in duress. And if you are willing to do the right thing for the right reasons at the right time, the way that Chris Ray actually advertises the FBI operates, if you guys want to go do that then you can pick up three of those pins. I think they're listed at like 14 bucks a piece, but you can get three of them for 30 bucks. So that's a deal. The shipping is free. He just puts them in an envelope and sends them off. They're super fast. He's got a bag of them ready to go right now for you. He didn't hand make those ones. I don't think he stamped them out, but if you guys want to support the suspendables, the uh, the patches and the, the badge are really fast. And those patches look great on a plate carrier or anything. Wear them upside down. That way nobody mistakes you for some kind of fake law enforcement. Although... I guess if maybe if you go to Ecuador, maybe you need that sort of thing. Okay, uh, ready for a little palate cleanse? Let's kind of shut this thing down in a nice way. After electing all seven of these ladies into uh, into office in Minneapolis, St. Paul, we've got kind of a preview, a look at what 2024 in the Twin Cities is going to look like. Uh, hold on to your horses, folks. Here's a little taste. I don't know why, but ladies smoking while wearing like babushka type stuff. They look like a bunch of gypsies and the lady with the RPG uh, hanging out in the market. If that's where we get to, that's uh, that's what Washington, D.C. wants for you. If you're carrying an RPG, you're much less likely to be carjacked for whatever that's worth. So, all right, folks, your votes matter. They uh, we're, we're, we're walking to the end of days as people are sitting there and chain smoking while uh, we got Palestinian ladies throwing punches at the heavy bag. Ah, uh, don't go to Minneapolis, St. Paul. That doesn't sound good. Okay, folks, we had a, a good time today. I really hope that some of this information was of value to you. Go out there in the world. Uh, Ray Epps, all you had to do was say sorry. If you're a J6er, please just apologize, and everybody will make it okay. We know that's not true. You can follow us on Kyle Serafin. That, uh, our, that's at Kyle Serafin on Twitter and on True Social, and I've got an Instagram account, which I sometimes put stuff up. Yeah, good to go. Um, yeah, <laughs> TACP is telling me that was an AT4. I'm sorry, it wasn't an RPG. That's very correct. Uh, <laughs> you can follow us on social media. You can follow us on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. If you guys want to watch the live video, we do it at 0930 Eastern time. That's 830 here in Texas, America. Stream live from Liberty Hill, Texas, America every single weekday. Uh, unless something wild happens, that's going to be the case. And we do appreciate you guys who listen on Apple and on Spotify and iHeartRadio and the other audio podcasts. If you're listening in one of those places, for some reason, we're always ranked in Kenya 
and Vietnam. I don't know who's listening to that out there, but if you're there, if you're in Slovenia, which we've been ranked for, uh, thanks for listening in these these places that are not America. But that's where we come from, Texas, America. And uh, let me throw up a five-star review from one of our great listeners here. This is from Providence Acres on Christmas Eve. It says, if you want to hear real FBI stories, listen to every single podcast. It's extremely informative. Five stars. Thanks so much, Providence Acres. I do my best, and I hope that you guys always get to enjoy it. We're going to be wrapping it up for the day. We will see you again tomorrow. Thanks so much for your attention and for uh, joining us. Be good to each other. Go meet your neighbors. Don't be like Southeast Washington, D.C. That's not a good place. Uh, God bless you. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.